Hello, and welcome to another episode of Read and React. I'm Ben Ladner, and joining me on the other line is John Sauber. How are you doing, man? Uh, what are we, two days away from the moratorium being lifted? I am fantastic. Uh, Four I, days away from the draft? Yeah, it's all happening. Do we know what time it gets lifted Monday? Because I'm going to have to set some alarms. I'm going to need to make sure I'm ready to go. Yeah, it well, feels you know, like we're going to get like 15 trades at once. Like everything's just going to come at us right away because uh, – you know, nothing's leaking out because it's a moratorium. But as soon as it as soon as it ends, like these teams have been talking, we know that much for sure. Even without any reporting on our end. Yeah, yeah. It's usually like they either do the twelve oh one thing or like six p.m. I don't know what they're going to do, but it does seem like there's a lot of stuff happening. We probably there's probably even some free agent deals that have been agreed upon so far um, that aren't allowed to be reported or aren't allowed to be finalized because of the moratorium. But certainly there is stuff happening behind the scenes in the NBA. Um, and that's going to make the offseason really interesting for a lot of these teams, some of whom we're going to talk about today. We're going to keep chugging along with our offseason preview, 2020 season review, postmortem, check-in, whatever you want to call it. We've used a lot of different names for these. Um, but it is an interesting time to check in on the San Antonio Spurs, which is where we will start. And the place to start with the Spurs, I think, is at the top of their roster, where DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge have both had their names come up in trade rumors, particularly the Warriors uh, seem like a, a team that might be interested in Aldridge, potentially involving that number two pick they have. Um, but which of those two stars, I guess, feels most likely to be moved? They also have Patty Mills and Rudy Gay, who are entering the final years of their contracts. And in fact, the Spurs don't have any guaranteed money on their books right now, other than DeJounte Murray's uh, $15 million past the 2021 season. So they actually could have a lot of flexibility. Obviously, free agency, if they sign multi-year deals, could change that. Um, but DeRozan has a player option. Aldridge, if the Spurs keep him, is going to be in the final year of his deal. Um, so which of those two teams – I guess I'll ask you two questions. Which of those two players is most likely to get dealt, or, or should the Spurs be trying to trade? And which is most interesting to you as a possible trade? I – I think they should be trying to trade DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he is the least value, and any return you can get for him, I think, would be considered a win. Uh, I'm most interested in seeing what LaMarcus Aldridge brings back, just because we've seen Kevin O'Connor report uh, that that the second uh, overall pick could be in play for him. And I think that's fascinating because, as I said to you before we went on the air, uh, in a normal year, that's that's an asinine trade for the Warriors. It makes no sense. But with a weak draft class, it does make some level of sense to, to move that pick for Aldridge, who has started to shoot more threes. You would assume he would do that more in, in Golden State even than he did in San Antonio. And, and I think could be an interesting fit next to Draymond Green as, as part of that front court. I just – I don't know, you know, what you send back to make it work. Maybe you're sending back Wiggins, and that's part of why, you know, you're, you're getting the number two overall pick. You're also taking Wiggins. But I think any, any return for Aldridge is going to be – the base for your future because DeRozan's not bringing anything back. Yeah. I mean, Aldridge, I don't really know how well he fits in, in golden state theoretically, but for the Spurs, I would be looking to do that deal. Like I think they're in position where they should be focusing on these young guys, you know, obviously DeJounte Murray kind of at the top of that list, Derek white, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker are kind of the main guys and, and give them a shot. See what you have in those guys. They're all on super cheap rookie deals right now because the Spurs have drafted near the back of, of the first round for like most of the Greg Popovich era. So these guys are super cost controlled. Some of them are already pretty good. I think a, a couple of them have a chance to be really good moving forward. 
And now is the time to figure out what you have. And Jakob Pertl is another name you could throw in there. He's going to be a restricted free agent. I would be trying to keep him around if I were San Antonio, especially if they trade LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, and then DeRozan, like, I just don't know what he's giving the Spurs at this point. I know he looked like kind of a different player in the bubble, was playing a little bit more within the team concept, was used as even a small ball four at sometimes. Um, but I still don't love his fit really on any team. But on this team that's trying to move forward with its young guys, I don't know what their plan is as far as being competitive. I don't know if they want to take a year off and get back into the playoffs in 2022 or if they feel like they can do that now. But either way, that path forward probably should not involve DeMar DeRozan. And I just think he, he and Aldridge both are difficult guys to trade because they, they both play styles that aren't super valuable in the modern NBA. They're score-first, ball-dominant players who don't shoot threes. And when you don't do that, it's just really hard, and especially as they age out of their primes. It, it's unclear if they can step into a team and just play a role. You know, that's why – Aldridge to Golden State doesn't make a lot of sense to me because what is he doing for that offense beyond taking jumpers out of the post? And I suppose he could evolve his game and get in a different system, play a different style, but he's just never been that guy. He's never been a ball mover. He's never been a, a screener, like a role-playing type of guy that he would be in Golden State. So I, it's just in those situations, I don't know what value those two guys bring, which could make it fairly difficult to trade the two of them. And, and I'm with you on that. I do think Aldridge definitely has more value because he's shown a willingness to shoot. And if even if he becomes a spot-up shooter and just sort of a, a physical presence in the paint that has some level of value, you know, maybe he starts to turn a little bit into Miles Turner, uh, who we've talked to talked about extensively. You know, if he's just spotting up and trying to defend, he's not the defender that Turner is, but, but he can hold his own in the paint. You know, he's not going to get destroyed. He does have slow feet around the perimeter, which is going to be a problem, though. Uh, as far as DeRozan, like, I mean, I don't know – what kind of team is looking to add him. He's he's probably fine off the bench as a sixth man, you know, who can just go get you a bucket when you need it if that's really all you want. Um, the guy I'd probably be looking to trade to is Derek White. Uh, he's only – or he's he's already 26, uh, you know, and, and him being 26 doesn't sort of fit with the timeline of uh, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, uh, DeJounte Murray, whoever they take at 10. Uh, you know, it, it sort of doesn't line up right. Um like you mentioned, they're, they're, uh, they seem to be looking to trade Patty Mills. I think that's the right decision. Patty Mills is still a really good player and can help, uh, you know, a, a title contending team with, uh, you know, with shooting and spacing and, and uh, even a little bit of defense around the perimeter, uh, although he's limited to a one possession uh, defense to being a one to one possession defender. I just like there, there aren't a ton of pieces on this team that are going to get you value. So I think moving Derek White gets you real value back and then you can start to sort of flip this thing forward. Uh, I'm okay with keeping Jakob Pertle too. I think he can be helpful. I think you should be trying like to him. build. Yeah, so do I. I, I think you try, should be trying to keep a core of, of Murray, uh, Walker, Johnson, and Pertle. Um, maybe taking uh, Sadiq Bey at, at 10. Maybe taking another swing forward like that who can play the three or the four because you're going to have the ball in Murray and, and Walker's hands a lot if you want to maximize those guys. Uh, if, if they can somehow get the second overall pick, Anthony Edwards is sort of, I think, the guy that can that can really be a lightning rod for this franchise because he can be a primary scorer if he hits the ceiling. Uh, he can he can be what they're missing right now. Um, he's a little bit of overlap with Lonnie Walker, but I, I think you'd rather take Anthony Edwards over Lonnie Walker and just, just relegate Walker to a smaller role. 
where they could go Wiseman and give up on Pirtle. I don't think that's the right decision. But again, it's an upside swing. I think whoever they take there would be an upside swing. Uh, you know, the the guy I would take, of course, we've said before, is is Killian Hayes. Uh, he might be available at ten though, and then you don't need to move up to two to get him. Um, I, they're they're really in a fascinating spot because they they're they're clearly transitioning. You can see this this part of the roster that's a veteran win now team, uh, and and this other part that is young and developing. And then Derek White's sort of stuck in the middle of all of that. Uh, which is why I think he's he's the best asset they've got that they can realistically move and, and be okay with moving. I think Danny Abdia would be an interesting guy if they get that number two pick. Like he's maybe that's a a little bit of a reach for him. And I don't just say that because he's a, a European power forward, which the Spurs seem to be you know in love with. But they need that position. You mentioned it, a guy like Sadiq Bay, just someone who can play and guard the four. Because you look at the guys on their roster, and and most of those key players moving forward with the exception of fertile they're all guards um, and I actually disagree on white for the reason that it's not that I'm a huge Derek white believer there are definitely people who are higher on him than I am but he even if he is a little older he's still a good player and he's on a really team-friendly deal and it's it's hard to get a player that good on that contract and his next contract likely won't break the bank either he's going to be a restricted free agent after the 21 season um, if they, you know, if they go make a big splash for a bigger free agent, maybe he's not part of the plans. But they could probably bring him back on a reasonable deal, even if he's a couple of years older than the rest of their main guys. And you also don't know if Walker, Murray, Johnson, if those guys are going to work out. You know, you, you can't bank on all of those guys being key parts of your future. One or two of them will probably kind of fall by the wayside or get traded or packaged for a different player and and get shipped off, shipped off one way or another. So I, I think just hanging on to a guy like white, just to have the, the depth, have, have the, the quality at that position, I think is a smart thing to do. Um, but you know, again, like it's the, the, the draft pick is really the thing I'm interested in and just getting a, a four, like filling that need because they do kind of tilt guard heavy in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I think FDF fits well if they're tr- trying to win now to me, he's sort of, not ready-made. I think I've compared him for, before to Dario Saric uh, in, in sort of the way he plays. He's he's more uh, more skilled and more fluid than Saric is, um, and he's probably got more upside than being you know Saric's upside is probably a sixth man when he was a prospect, um, you know potential fifth starter on a championship team. I think Abdia can be better than that. Uh, I don't know that he is going to like he sort of greases the wheels. You know what I mean? Like he's he's going to keep things going. And well, I think that's the guy the Spurs need. I think. They but, need but I, th- I think I think they need to swing at the upside more on defense. Okay, so I, like, I, I think Murray is kind of that guy for like. I oh, think he, I do too. Yeah. I, I do. Too. But but like one of them isn't enough. You know, like right. But I, and, I think the the thinking would be that Murray and Lonnie Walker are kind of your high variance creators, and then you get a a more solid guy who can play a role at the four just because that's a, a position of need for them. It's not because like if they, if they had anyone who could play power forward, who was young, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but like, that's kind of the key need that they have. And this feels like the drafts, maybe go get that guy. Well, if they were, if they were going that direction, I would go with Isaac Okoro, uh, who, who has the defensive upside uh, and, and is a really good defender. Uh, shot is not settled yet. He can create for others. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, like a Justice Winslow in there, you know, in, in that he he can create for others off the bounce. He can create a little bit for himself. He just can't make shots. Um, I think there's a reason to believe in his shot more than there was with Winslow's. 
Uh, and, and I think I would rather go with that guy who's more of a versatile defender than Abdia, who is going to be pretty limited defensively. Although he is smart defensively, he's just not a good enough athlete laterally. Yeah, and maybe it looks different if Pirtle's behind him. He's, I think he's a pretty good defensive anchor, the Spurs system, all that. But um, let me throw a couple DeMar DeRozan trades at you. Just trade possibilities. These are kind of half-baked. Maybe some of them are sound crazy. Maybe uh, some of them are not like the specifics are not exactly worked out, but just sort of think general framework here. Okay. What about DeMar DeRozan to Detroit for Tony Snell? And the Spurs could throw in like 2021 swap rights or something. And the Pistons, like maybe Luke Kennard could be involved in the deal in some way, like to, to match the salaries and prevent uh, one team from to prevent Detroit from taking on like too much additional stuff and then the Spurs could include picks but like that general framework of DeRozan for Snell kind of thing a DeRozan for Snell would be an immediate no for me from San Antonio really? uh, but I think if you get Kennard in that deal and if Kennard is the centerpiece then I would do it okay um, so do you do DeRozan and something involving the 2021 first round pick for Snell and Kennard the 2021 if it's protected, like if, if it's lottery like protected. Top, top eight protected or something, top ten. I think you'd have to protect it more than that. I, I think it would have to be lottery protected for two years, and then then you can have it unprotected because okay. you're – I mean, getting off DeRozan's contract isn't worth giving up a lottery pick in the next two classes because – and we've talked about it time and time again. that Those classes are too good to give that kind of asset up for. I would be more willing to just tag number 10 overall this year, although I don't I still don't think I would do that uh, – you know, just to get off DeRozan's contract, which is there's not much time left on it anyways. Uh, so that he's would be expiring enough. after this season, or he's got a player option that will that he'll likely pick up, and then it will expire. Yeah, uh, I I mean, for me, I would that would be a no go for me uh, from San Antonio's perspective. Even though Tony Snell would be more helpful than Demar Derozan, it's just not worth giving up. That's the what I'm saying. But it's just not it, like what is it really worth it when you're not a playoff team anyways? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's like. Tony Snell helps a good team become better because he can shoot and play defense. But for a team like the Spurs, they actually need a creator. And DeRozan has kind of been that the last couple of years. I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I think in a vacuum, like DeRozan's a better player than Tony Snell, but Snell in, in a lot of ways is more useful because he doesn't need the ball. He's going to spot up. He's going to space the floor. I, I guess in that framework, the asset with the draft pick would not be included from the Spurs if Kennard were not involved in the deal. Like Detroit would include him as a way to get that draft pick. And we talked about Detroit on the last episode as kind of a dumping ground uh, for, for teams without a lot of uh, who are trying to get off money. Like that could be a contract that they take on and, uh, and, and get an asset in return as well. Yeah, no, I, I think, like I said, it's all going to come to, like Kennard is a player that can fit really well with the Spurs long-term. And I think it would be maximized with the Spurs whereas Snell is probably like the short-term adjustment is just not worth it to me. Uh, I think I still want that pick top, at least top 10 protected if, if I'm getting Kennard back even. Okay, how about a sign-in trade for Evan Fournier, add in Al Farouk Aminu for DeMar DeRozan and a top eight protected 2021 first? Ooh. I, I think it's got to be lottery protected still. Okay, but like, some, I, some version of, of – yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I th- if, it, if it is lottery protected, then yes. Uh, then I would the do that. Fournier and Aminu for DeRozan in that pick. Yeah, I think Aminu – I mean, those guys immediately help you not just – like the Spurs aren't trying to win now, but they sort of help you build the culture there. Uh, Aminu and, and, and Fournier would be, are both play really hard. Both are, uh, you know, super helpful players who also wouldn't get in the way of their young guys. Um, 
I, I think I would do that assuming uh, the, the pick is, is, you know, has more protections on it. And basically I just want the guarantee that I'm not losing a lottery pick for those two guys. Cause I don't think that's worth it. And, and yeah. quite frankly, DeRozan is someone that could actually help the magic. Like there's, there aren't right. a lot of situations for him to benefit a team, but the magic are one of those teams where it's like, okay, DeMar DeRozan has a role here and we can protect him defensively and just let him go to work offensively. I agree. I agree with that. That's kind of why I thought of the magic is I was, who's a mediocre team that needs some creation. Obviously that wouldn't be a perfect fit because Orlando is still a little light on shooting, especially if they give up Fournier, but that it's the same idea as what we talked about with Russell Westbrook, just the guy who can work with the ball in his hands. He's not going to do anything for you other than have the ball in his hands, but in that role, he can be good enough to kind of lift you because you need that specific thing. But it's tough. You mentioned we, the Spurs aren't trying to win now, but we don't actually know that like the Spurs might be trying to win now because yeah. they always do. And for all we know, they might, they could make the playoffs and surprise. I mean, I don't think they will. But I, I think, I think RC Buford won't well, Buford's not really in the role as much anymore. I think pop is smart enough to know that this is not a team that's going to get where he wants to. Uh, and he may always have teams competitive, but I think this team can still be competitive and just win 20 to 25 games. Yeah. Yeah. And I, maybe last year, the missing the playoffs for the first time since I think that was the like, 96. Yeah, that might be the, the breaking point where they're like, all right, this thing's over. We actually need to take a look in the mirror. Um, so Fournier and Aminu aren't going to help you rebuild, but they help you get off the DeRozan contract. That might be worth something. Okay, next one. Something involving DeRozan for Zach Levine and to make salaries work, Cristiano Felicia. I would jump all over that if I were, uh, if I were San Antonio. I think about- Zach Levine is the, the modern version of – DeRozan, except he can move the ball and he sometimes will defend and he's capable of defending because of his athleticism. Uh, we've talked about this before. I'm like, I think Zach Levine was so overrated for so long that he is now in the common discourse underrated. Yeah. Uh, Zach Levine, like is a, like he's capable of starting on a championship team and he's capable of carrying a, a pretty heavy workload on a championship team. You know, maybe not as your primary option, but you know, if, if, if I'm choosing between him and, and the rest of the league for, you know, to get a shot in the last minute, like he's in the top, like what, 5% of guys that you want in that situation. He's really good at, at, at creating his own shots. Uh, and, and I think, especially in San Antonio, I, I think it's sort of an easy fallback to say guys get maximized under pop, but if pop can maximize Zach Levine and the, the skills and tools he brings to the table, he could become a star, like he, a legitimate star. I think San Antonio probably does have to add a pick there. That's one where I think you, you offer them 10 this year, like the 10th overall pick, and just move that on with it. That have already been made. Well, not necessarily. They could not necessarily. They can – yeah, because there will be – and for what it's worth, I looked this up while we, were, while we were talking. The moratorium date hasn't been set yet. It's either Sunday or Monday. We don't know the time. So it kind of feels like, and this like makes it even better, that they're just like, hey, go. And then all of a sudden, like everything yeah. is going to – It reminds me of uh, – I read this book about a year ago called Boomtown by Sam Anderson. Maybe you've heard of it. I recommend it to everybody. It's one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. But it's, it's a history of, the, of Oklahoma City. And it's something I didn't think I would care about. But anyway, I read the book. And the way Oklahoma City was founded was basically all these people gathered around this designated territory. It was called the Land Run. And they said, at noon on this day, everyone is going to gather around and someone is going to fire a gun. And everyone just gets to run to a spot and choose it. And that's their land. And they just get to pick it. 
<laughs> like that kind of feels like how the moratorium might be this year for the NBA. I would support that. I, I hope so. Cool. Yeah, no, we should, we should absolutely, like it, there should be a floating moratorium every year where no one knows when it's going to lift. And that just, <laughs> then just like the NBA sends out a tweet and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. That would be amazing. The, the thing we should also say is all of these trades are contingent upon DeRozan opting into his deal. We mentioned that earlier, but like we should be more explicit. He, he needs to opt into his 27 million, 27.7 million option for next season for these trades to be possible or decline it. And then they do a sign and trade. That could be another option, but there's no way he doesn't opt in. Like right. He, that's the thing. It's too much money for him to like, his market is going to be less than that. Unless he just wants like a four year deal at $18 million four, a year to take him. Or a four year, $28 million deal. So he can get the same amount of money spread out over four years. Well, yeah, there you go too. I don't think he's getting 15 to 18 or anything like that a year. No, I don't think he will. Um, okay. How about a, a different configuration of the Chicago trade? involving Thad Young instead of Cristiano Felicio. That evens the salaries a little bit more. That makes it a little closer. And the Spurs would probably have to attach a better asset to it because Thad Young's a better player than Cristiano Felicio. What do you think about that? I think, uh, again, if, if then you take out this year's pick, the number 10 overall pick, and then you put in the, the lottery protected whatever, you know, for 21 or 22 or, or what have you, and then you do it. Uh, again, like, Levine is – is so mercurial in the NBA and I like, like I want to see him succeed. I want to see a lot of these guys succeed, but I think the Spurs really could get everything, everything he has in him out of him and, and turn him into a star. Yeah. And you might say, well, why would Chicago do this trade? Why would they trade for DeMar DeRozan? I think it's a similar thing to Orlando. I think they just lack that creator, especially if they're giving up Levine in the deal. Well, and I think they, I think they might feel that they need to move on from Levine. Cause he, like I yeah. said, with Derek white and the Spurs, Levine is like, inching out of being on the Bulls timeline. Plus, if you have Kobe White, uh, you know, let's say somehow they move up and get LaMelo Ball or whoever, like there's only one basketball and you probably want to give it to the young guys, even though I think Zach Levine is already better than Kobe White will ever be uh, in the NBA and probably LaMelo Ball as well. Uh, but, you know, the, the way they probably see it is if you take the guy that high, they think he's got star upside and, and you want them to have the ball in their hands. And, and Zach Levine sort of uh, takes that away from them. And the big thing, too, is Levine has two years left on his deal, and DeRozan, if he opts in, which he likely will, will have one. And so you can trade for that expiring contract, have him off your books, and then you don't have to pay Zach Levine $19.5 million in 2021. You can have more flexibility if you're Chicago. And maybe you – I don't know what their agenda is going to be next season. Maybe they want to be competitive. Maybe they feel like they can get the eight seed. You and I would probably advise against that, but that might be <laughs> their thinking. And so if they want to do that, like DeMar DeRozan can help you make the playoffs. He, he can, I, you know. I think but, Arturis Karnasovas is smart enough not to do that. But I, I will say too. But like, are, are, is their ownership smart enough to do that? That's, no, absolutely not. Because that's because who makes the decision. Because they just hired Tony LaRusso to run their baseball team. Last trade idea or last trade team. I got a couple different kinds of deals here. DeMar DeRozan to Indiana for a protected 21 first and DeMontis Sabonis. Oh man, you're just trying to pigeonhole every European. Well, Miles Turner, if you prefer Miles Turner, <laughs> I, I actually think if it were Miles Turner, I would jump on that. If well, it but were... it's, it's got to be fair for Indiana too. Yeah. It. Well, I mean, they, it it seems that they value Sabonis higher. You know, it does seem that way. Uh, so, like, I think they would be more amenable to doing it that way. Uh, I wouldn't do the Sabonis deal for for getting like for the sake of getting Sabonis. I would do it because you're getting that pick, uh, and I would be trying to reroute Sabonis somewhere else. Because again, like. To me, to maximize well, the Spurs are giving up the pick here. 
Oh, never mind then. I'm out. So the Spurs are giving up the first to get Sabonis. And I added Jeremy Lamb to make the salaries work too. Give me the Miles Turner deal. I wouldn't do it with Sabonis. Uh, Just because I've said this before, like to get Domas Sabonis to be the best version of himself, you have to build your offense around him. If you're not building your offense around him, you're not getting the best version of Domas Sabonis. And it's so strange because anything less than the best version of him is a is a pretty big drop off because yeah. you're you're really taking away what he does best, uh, and, and that's his ability to sort of be the 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 engine of the offense from the high post. Uh, and you know, I don't I don't think you want your team doing that if you have the aspirations. I assume the Spurs have, but you would do it for Turner. Yeah, I would do it for Turner. But Turner, Sab- Turner's scalable. Like, he's yeah. super scalable across any team. I chose Sabonis because he's a passing big man, and it's the Spurs. That was about it. How yeah. about this one? Last one. Same deal, except instead of Jeremy Lamb and Sabonis or Turner, it's Jeremy Lamb and Victor Oladipo. I, I knew you were going to say that. I would do that if I were the Spurs – just swing at the upside. Like, who cares? You're getting rid of DeMar DeRozan. Yep. Uh, and, and and for all we've heard about, like, oh, is Oladipo, like, angling to get his way out of Indiana? He recommitted to the, to the Pacers. I still don't think he's going to be a Pacer this year. I think we probably all just had it wrong in how we are viewing this. It's not that he didn't want to be a Pacer. It's probably more likely that the Pacers didn't want him based on some of the things that, that have come out about him saying that. Because that wasn't, like – that wasn't Victor Oladipo's side leaking out. You know what I mean? That, that he was asking other, other teams if he could play for them or if he could play with other guys. It was, it was Vic asking it. Uh, or it was, it was uh, Vic asking it and Indiana leaking it out uh, just sort of to, to angle getting rid of him. I wonder if the Spurs were one of the teams he asked if he could play for next season. I don't know. All right, last thing on the Spurs. Could they be a sleeper Giannis destination in 21? I mentioned that they don't have any money on their books basically after this season like if they want they can have a ton of flexibility Aldridge expires after 21 DeRozan expires after 21 Rudy Gay Patty Mills all expire after 21 and they could have like up to 60 million dollars ish in cap space is that something Giannis looks at like are, are they are those young players enough for a player like Giannis to look at it and say like yeah I could sign there he should like that if I were him I would want one, the elite coaching that Greg Popovich brings to the table, and two, some creators around me, and Lonnie Walker and, and DeJounte Murray can be that. Uh, if they have enough space, though, they should also be trying to add Brad Beal or someone along that line, uh, along those lines. And that's the thing. They have the assets to try and get Brad Beal. Like DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker is a pretty decent package to go get Beal. You know, maybe you trade number 10 this year uh, in your first next year, kind of knowing you're running it, you're making the run at Giannis. Uh, no, I, th- I think you should absolutely consider that. This, I mean, if you take Giannis off of the Bucks and uh, you know, and just look at their roster for what it is, it's not like the Bucks are vastly better than the Spurs are right now. Like they, they well, are the better. The Spurs, the Spurs are younger, and the Spurs yeah. have more talent, and they have uh, they they have better coaching, and they have they're they're the best run team in the NBA. I I think it would be a little bit uh, dumb to to rule out the Spurs uh, if you were Giannis and, and still consider the Bucks. like if you really just do want to win. Well, you know who else can be a free agent in 2021? Kawhi Leonard. Man, could you imagine? Three signs <laughs> with the Spurs all those uh, years later. Realize how good he had it when he was, he was a fledgling with the Spurs. And see, the, 
the best storyline is Paul George opting out and signing <laughs> with the Spurs as the Spurs get back at uh, at uh, Kawhi Leonard for leaving them. They take away Paul George and have Giannis. Like that's mm. Paul George fits pretty well with Giannis. I mean, so does everyone. But still, so does everyone. Yeah. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's all I have on the Spurs. Let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers. The Trailblazers were 35 and 39 last year with a negative one net rating, which was good for 19th in the league and lost in the first round to the Los Angeles Lakers. They were third in offense last year, quietly. I wonder, like, if you throw Nurkic back in there, throw Zach Collins back in there, Maybe and throw Whiteside out of there. I was going to say, remove Whiteside, maybe remove Carmelo Anthony. Although Whiteside was actually good at, at moments for them on defense last year. Anyway, you put those key guys back into the lineup, maybe find someone at the three to play a little bit of wing defense. Is there a chance that, that they improve in like a meaningful way next season if you assume that offense stays around like the top five or six? and then their defense gets to league average. Like, is there a path to that for Portland next season, even in the crowded West? I mean, they, they could improve to being like the five or six seed. Uh, I don't, you know, if that's, that's meaningful. That's better where I would have put them. Uh, if, if that's me. Well, I mean, it's, it's just a glut of teams there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. it, the variance there is so uh, uh, so. No, but I think that, you're like, right. I think you're right. And, and, like, if, you know, if that's where they improve to, then then I, you know, maybe that's – that's uh, a, an improvement enough to, to make you want to do it. I don't think it is, but I, I don't, I don't know that there's much for them to do outside of making a move with McCollum. Uh, I don't really, I don't know. They're in such a weird spot. Like you, you have to give up Trent if you want to do anything with, you know, smaller deals. Like he's sort of your best young guy. Uh, your picks aren't enticing quite frankly uh, in the future, because you're going to be too good uh, to, to give them real value. So I, I don't know. Like I've, I've mentioned in the past, like a McCollum for Drew Holiday swap, it would make a ton of sense. I just don't know that they would do it. Um, I I kind of just assume at this point that the Blazers are going to run this team until they can't anymore, and that's just sort of going to be it. And yeah, you know, I, I like there's not a ton of reason to talk talk about them just because they probably are just going to try and run this back over and over again with Lillard and McCollum until they can't anymore. 
That's kind of my thinking as well. I, every year I do this with the Blazers where I, I configure all these scenarios in my head of, well, you know, they could do this with this guy, maybe trade, make this deal or whatever. And they always, they always bring in one guy who's like, oh, that guy could move the needle. Um, and then he, that guy kind of moves the needle. They find contributions from random dudes around Damon CJ, but it always is Damon CJ and Nurkic when he's healthy. And that's kind of what their team is. That's always going to be their team. I'm with you. Like, I think a Drew for McCollum trade would make sense. I would jump at that if I were the Blazers. Not because I don't like CJ McCollum, but I just, I think they need what Drew gives them. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like a feasible thing that they would actually do. So it's almost not even worth talking about. The other thing is the wing defense. Like, this team could not guard anyone last year, especially in the bubble. And when they came, when they ran into the, the big wings in the West, those primary creators, they just had no shot. Like Gary Trent tries hard and he's kind of strong and kind of quick, but he's also six, six and Gary Trent, and he's not going to do much against LeBron James. That's one reason I think they should guarantee Trevor Ariza's 12.8 million next season. Not because Trevor Ariza is like this amazing defender anymore, but he, he's still like a, a solid to passable wing defender. Or at least he was last year. I don't know how, what age is going to do to him moving forward, but Nasir little did not look ready last year. They've got kind of this glut of young guys. Like we saw a little bit of Jalen Adams and Jalen Horde last year, Winyan Gabriel, like these guys who kind of came on at the end of the bubble. But you have to assume none of those guys are going to be ready. And this team also doesn't have cap space. So it's hard for them to find that wing defense, which is one reason I'm kind of skeptical that they can actually rise in the defensive rankings and maintain the, the ballpark they were in last year. Because even with good defensive anchors behind them, like, you just need something at the point of attack and the Blazers don't really have that. Yeah. And that's fair. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they've gone and you're right. When you say that we both um, have mentioned before all these deals they can make, it just kind of feels like they're not gonna. And that's, that's, you know, the treatment they deserve is, is the one that they've sort of earned over the years and that they're not going to do enough to get better. And they're not going to try that hard to get better you know they're they're trying to get better last year was getting rid of mo harkless like who helped them uh they could really use mo harkless right now yeah it was well he's a free agent uh and it was you know keep air bringing on carmelo and hassan whiteside like at some point you can't just bring dudes on that that dame is friends with like you know what i mean like you have to yeah you have to be able to convince him that hey this isn't what's best for this team Uh, otherwise you may as well trade him like it's they're they're getting to the point of uh, what they do every year is pointless, and it's like oh they're so much fun. Look at how great Dame is, and then they lose as an eight seed. Like whatever. This yeah. is a they're a treadmill team. It's what they are. All of that said, I could very easily picture myself in like February, looking on the you know the lineup finders the the on NBA dot com, and look and they're like fourth. The, the the lineup of Dame, CJ, Ariza, Collins, and Nurkic is like fourth in net rating or something. And the rest of their bench is awful, but that lineup kind of keeps them afloat throughout the regular season. Again, I, I mean, I think they're probably in that six to 10 range in the West, maybe even like six to 12. That's going to be a really big tier going into next season. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I'm largely with you that Harkless could be an interesting target. They do have their exceptions. They could use the non-tact pyramid level. That's about, I think where Harkless's market's going to be. And he seems to be a, you know, a good fit both culturally and on the floor in Portland. So maybe they bring him in to play the three, but again, if he's not going to hit shots, it's kind of the same issue you had with Mo Harkless the first time. 
and you you're always kind of fearful of that if if you're any team that employs Mo Harkless. Um, I actually don't think it would be crazy to re-sign Carmelo Anthony on a minimum again and bring him off the bench and bring him off the bench. That's the key. You're shaking your head. That's but not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We know it's not. We know that won't happen. But he, he, does he have a choice? Yes. Does he? If Zach yes. Collins and Yusuf Nurkic are on your team, are you really Dame, going to start Carmelo Anthony? Damian Lillard sets this lineup. No. And he's not letting not do that. He did it last year because they had no other power forwards. I actually think the version of Melo, this like there's a lot of ifs in this scenario, but Yeah, it, because because Melo's bad and mostly I, doesn't help. I understand that. I understand that. I get it. And I don't think he helped them last year, by the way. I don't think like people anyway. The version of Melo they got last season in a bench role, if he's like your seventh or eighth man instead of your starting power forward, can can be a useful player off the bench. And I'm going to tell you that not only will Melo not accept that role, but he even if he did, he wouldn't be. Sure, he can be, but he wouldn't be because they would still want him out there closing games and they would want him out there for too many well, minutes. That's, and that's why I said there's a lot of stipulations to this. But we, <laughs> we know that this isn't true. I know, it, I know. It's, this, is, this is like me going like, yeah, I mean, if Ben Simmons – can fix a little bit of his shot. He can. He can maybe shoot. Which you have four, done before. Forty. No, hold on. Forty-five percent from no, three. No, 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 that's not that extreme. <laughs> yeah, that's how extreme it is to expect Melo to take any role other than the one that he wants right now. I mean, you're probably right. I don't know. I just I look at like the stuff he was doing last year in his good moments. Like the Blazers can use that, but it's just maybe Melo is not able to do that. Um, I don't know. That, that's about all I had about the, the Blazers. I don't really know how good they were last year, to be honest. Like, they had a negative net rating, but they also had an MVP candidate on their team. They were banged up, and then they got healthy, and they looked good, and then they looked awful uh, after the first game of the playoffs. Granted, injuries were a part of that. I just I couldn't get a read on the Blazers last year because Nurkic wasn't really in the lineup, all that. So I really don't know what to think of them going into next year. Like I said, I think there's a scenario where their starting lineup is awesome and Nurkic looks great and Collins makes a, takes a step and their bench is, you know, maybe okay. I also think there's a scenario where it just doesn't come together the way they want it to. Dame and CJ are another year older. They don't have quite the, you know, quite the, the pop that they've had in recent years and they get surpassed by better up and coming teams below them. I could see either of those two things happening and I don't really know which one it's going to be. Yeah. I like, like I said, I've, I've put too much thought and energy into thinking about this team in the past to, to really care about them this offseason or think that they're going to make any changes, especially in this quick turnaround that, that this offseason is going to be. Can't wait to read 12 stories about how this is the year for Anthony Simons. That's going to be a good time. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Or maybe maybe it pivots to Gary Trent Jr. is going to develop into a But star. I actually agree with that take. I think Gary Trent Jr. is good. I think he's good. I don't think he's going to be a star. Like, no, I, no, not, no, definitely not. But, but he's I good. Mean, he's like, if he, I mean, obviously this is a big if, but if he shoots the way he shot in the bubble. Like, <laughs> you're just, you're just hitting on well, every single, like if Dame Lillard grows like a foot and a half, he could be the rim protector. That's a good one. No, but if, if Trent, I mean, actually I'll amend that. If Trent shoots the way he did in the bubble, they're going to be like the two seed because Gary Trent will be unstoppable. And then Gary Trent will be a star. If he shoots like 40%, <laughs> let's say Gary Trent shoots 40%, from three on like a healthy volume of attempts. That's a meaningful 
barometer for them. Like that, that could meaningfully change things. Then Carmelo Anthony's going to come on the court and undo all of it. Let's move on to another Western Conference team, the Utah Jazz, who were 44 and 28 last year with a plus two and a half net rating. That was 10th in the league, and they lost in the first round in one of the better first round series we've seen, or, or at least one of the more entertaining first round series we've seen in quite some time. My big question is, I mean, I don't think they're going to have a super interesting offseason, to be honest. Like, they, most of their guys are under contract. It all centers around Rudy Gobert. Right. And I was going to say, can they, can they get meaningfully better without doing anything significant in the offseason? Because they will have Bogdanovich back from his injury. He didn't play in the bubble. I was very high on Utah going into last year because I felt like they would have continuity and they would have, you know, the Quinn Snyder system with better players in it maybe this is the year where like that continuity actually comes to fruition and they get that chemistry of having a year under their belts with one another barring that barring just internal improvement and improved synergy with one another. I don't really see how this team can get a whole lot better this year. Yeah. I mean, moving Mike Conley is probably their best case scenario. Maybe you move Rudy Gobert too, because he is going to be super max eligible uh, and, I would give them the super max. I don't think they're going to though. Um, I would be surprised if they did. Uh, yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, you don't have to give them the full super max. You can just give them more than he would get on another team. Yeah, uh, to it'll get him to be, take it. Yeah, it, it'll be like they're going to meet in the middle somewhere. I, I don't. Yeah, think I, it, it, my guess is it's like with Tobias Harris and Philly. He didn't get the actual super max. Yeah, but he got more than than he could have on the open market. I also uh, I, don't think Gobert's market is going to be crazy. Like he's going to be in a situation where he, the the Jazz are going to offer him something, and he's maybe not going to do much better than that on the open market. I, I'm not sure, especially in a year from now. I'm not sure the league will be in position to to feel confident paying a player like Rudy Gobert, you know, superstar money. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the team. Like, if the Celtics could give him that money, I think they should and would, like that. Like Gobert kind of puts them over the top. Like we talk all like someone like Miles Turner would do that. Rudy Gobert is the next level of that, and the spacing they would have around him, uh, and and on top of the the vertical spacing he would provide. Like, you know, I I think he would be maximized there too. Uh, I think there will be teams that that would do it. Uh, I don't know that he would be a priority enough to get it done early. If that makes sense. Like he might be waiting a little bit longer uh, and he'd rather just secure his money when he can. Um, but I, like I said, I think the, the, the inflection point is Mike Conley. Like if they can move uh, Conley, then they can improve uh, in a real way. You know, I, you think about like three team deals are impossible to pull off, but it's like Conley to the Sixers, Al Horford to the Kings, Buddy Heald to the jazz. Like that, I think there fundamentally improves them. Well, no, I mean, everyone because- drink. <laughs> no, I, I, but like that, that Horford healed deal is the one that's like been yeah. rumored for what, like four months now. I think a variation of that helps the jazz and like, it helps all three teams. Uh, and you know, but I, like, I was basically trying to think of a way to get buddy healed to the jazz. Uh, I just like Mike Conley <laughs> yeah, is, is not, yeah, he's not useful on the Kings at all. So you can't send Conley to the Kings. What was the one we talked about? Was it, was it Conley for Chris Paul? Like like yeah. months ago, we, we yeah. loaded some Mike Conley deal that I kind of liked. It was it was Conley for Chris Paul, but there's no way the Thunder are doing that. Like there's no. I think if they're going to trade Conley, who by the way will reportedly opt in 
uh, to it's it's technically an early termination option. Oh no way! I'm functionally, so it's a player option. He will opt into his thirty-four and a half million dollar player options. So. I can't believe he's doing that. Oh my god! Um, so if they're going to trade Conley, to me, they trade Conley for like a forward or a kind of an off guard because I think Donovan Mitchell is a point guard. I think he's a primary initiator. You and I disagree on how good of a passer he is. I'm a little higher on that element of his game. I think that's his role. I don't think he's a two guard. I don't think he's an off guard. I think he's a lead ball handler, primary initiator moving forward. And, and he can play off ball. Like it is good to have two ball handlers, two initiators, but if you can get like a, a versatile defensive wing, you know, like if you could mix, if you could take the average of Royce O'Neal and Bogdan Bogdan, Boyan Bogdanovich and make them into one player and put that guy on the wing next to Mitchell, I think that would be the preferable option. Boy, I think that guy's also a superstar. So well, that's probably like Jalen Brown. So yeah, maybe that's a, star. yeah, that's, that's like Jalen Brown or, or like a little bit close to Kawhi Leonard, just to well, be no, pushing I'm two guys like, together like, like that. You, you get like, you're not getting the like, best of both players. No, not, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you get like a medium version of Bogdanovich's offense and a medium version of O'Neal's defense, put them into one guy. Like that's the kind of guy that jazz should be looking for in my opinion. Yeah, so a 3 and D wing that can create for himself. Less, maybe less on the creation, but can shoot and defend. Basically a 3 and D wing. So, you, yeah, you want Robert Covington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with maybe a little more ball handling. But yeah. Well, good news for the Jazz. The Rockets seem to be doing whatever they can to get worse. So. Good news. <laughs> Everyone knows those players grow on trees, and you can get them yeah. easily. So what about what about like in the, I know you're gonna shoot this down right away. <laughs> I'm just what about uh, Russell Westbrook for Mike Conley? No way. <laughs> Why would the Jazz do that? They wouldn't. I just needed to bring it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think they I think they do need a level of creation though because I don't think Boyan is enough of a creator yeah. uh, in the playoffs. You you basically in the playoffs you're down to Donovan Mitchell as your only creator, and we saw that. Like their their offense was with yeah, Donovan Mitchell and, and lobs to Rudy Gobert. Uh, and I mean, admittedly, it's a pretty good offense. It's pretty effective. Like, yeah, if, if Mitchell's missing, uh, then then you're in some big trouble. Uh, they just they need some level of creation. It doesn't even have to be like they don't have to be that good. Someone who can create for themselves at a me- mediocre level that isn't Jordan Clarkson because Jordan Clarkson is too much of a negative everywhere else. So I was going to say Clarkson's kind of their only real free agent this summer. Would you try to – and Emmanuel Moutier, who, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's part of their plan moving forward. But, but Clarkson could be, and I actually think they – Buy. They act, I actually think they needed what he gave them in the playoffs last year. No. Like, no he, well, if you talk about the – I mean, and like he was effective need- on defense and he doesn't pass, but like a guy who can get his own shot and get to the rim, that, that was pretty valuable for them because of what you said. They're kind of starving for creation outside of those two guards they have they need someone better than him to be doing it because because of the defense and because of lack of creation for others he was a net negative you know even though he was creating for himself he was he was doing so much damage defensively and he he was isolating like it was just him when he had the ball in his hands that that he ended up being a net negative uh you need someone like and this is a familiar name for them like like an Alec Burks like if you can bring Alec Burks back uh for cheap i would assume he would take the league minimum or at least the mid level i think that'd be a really interesting fit uh, he tries more defensively than than Jordan Clarkson does. Uh, he's a better shooter than Jordan Clarkson is. He's he's more of a, a ball handler than Clarkson is and gets his teammates involved a little bit more. Although he, you know, likes to go get his. Uh, but I would rather pay someone less than what Jordan Clarkson is probably going to demand because people will see that the scoring output and you know some idiotic team will overpay for that. The New York Knicks. 
They could also, if they let Clarkson walk, which I honestly don't know if they will, but they could split up their mid-level too. They could be a team that kind of goes for two guys with the mid-level exception, uses part of it on one guy, part of it on another. Um, I will, I, I'm obligated to note as a fan of this player's game, that Juwan Morgan is on this roster and uh, the competition between him and George Niang for backup power forward minutes will be fierce. You can bet on that. That's all I have. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything else. Playoff starter, Jawan Morgan. Yes. Um, let's see if I have anything else. We called that for what it's worth. We did. We did say that. I remember. As I was walking out. We were talking together. And I said, well, you know, sometimes these teams, like the coaches like to start some random guy to keep the flow of the second unit going. Sure enough, a couple hours later, Jawan Morgan in the starting lineup. And he actually played well. We don't have to discuss Jawan Morgan. but I actually Jawan Morgan's good. He's a good he player. Is. He's a good player. Plays hard. Solid defender. Uh, gets schooled a little bit by Nikola Jokic, but who doesn't? And uh, We'll be on an NBA him. roster for a long time. Yes. Yes. And in fact, I'll even go one step further. I remember when he was in college talking to, you know, radio shows and all that is, and, and being asked, well, you know, what kind of team would Juwan Morgan fit on if he's going to go to the NBA? And I said, well, you know, a team like the Utah Jazz could be a good fit for him. Sure enough. To be, clear, to be clear, none of these were interviews. Ben was calling in to local radio stations yeah. just saying like, hey, the Jazz could use Juwan Morgan. They were like, this is a Christian talk show. Talk show. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm wondering what you think about Jawan Morgan's NBA prospects. To yeah. me, he's like a perfect Utah Jazz guy. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like just the defensive versatility, the way he plays hard. Quinn Snyder is a great system coach, and they develop guys. Uh, I'm curious to know what your opinions are. I'll take my answer off here. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all that, or it was, all right, callers, we're looking for your top ten country songs of the last decade. Ben's like, oh, I was a, I was a big fan of Jawan Morgan back in uh, 2019, I would say, maybe even 2018 and 2017. Do you have a top ten country songs of the last decade? I don't have a ten country songs of the last decade. Yeah, I couldn't do last decade. Maybe like pre-1970. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting far afield. I'm trying to think of a clever transition from country music to Sacramento Kings, but I just can't come up with anything. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The Sacramento Kings were 31 and 41 last year, negative 2.8 net rating, which was 21st in the league. That after a very fun 39 and 43 season in 2019, one of my favorite league pass teams that year. Um, the Buddy Heald extension will kick in this season. You floated him as a, a trade candidate. I don't know how much we even need to touch on that anymore because we've kind of talked about Buddy Heald going. I got a Sixers trade for you. Yeah. <laughs> we've mentioned that one a lot. But what can they do to 
to kind of get back to that 2019 Sacramento Kings, I mean, other than like replace Luke Walton with Dave Yeager again, but what else? I was going to say that. Barring that, like it feels like they, they sort of lost some of the, the spirit almost. And I don't know, I mean, surely that will show up in the numbers, but I'm not sure you can necessarily quantify that. But what, what do they need to, to recapture from that 2019 team that they did not have last season? They need to bring back Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, first and foremost. Um, other teams want him. What should be the sign that the Kings should keep him? Uh, I, I don't know that they'll be that intelligent, though. They rarely are. Although it seems uh, like they like Monty him. McNair won, running the, the front office, like th- this is a good sign. Like He comes from the yeah. Rockets tree. He's, he's someone Daryl Morey always talks about as being sort of in his inner circle along with Sachin Gupta, uh, Gershon Rosas, and, and Sam Hinkie. Uh, so, like, if McNair can get it going in the right direction, I would assume they'd bring Bogdanovich back. They need to they need to stop thinking that Marvin Bagley is anything. Like, Marvin Bagley's career may as well be over. Like, he wow. is not – he's not – I was – listen, I've been so anti-Marvin Bagley as an NBA player since before he was drafted. You could go back and find my takes about Marvin Bagley. I, I called it. He was not a good prospect. He was – the prop, he was – he was the ultimate floor raiser, except he wasn't even good at that. Like he was someone that could control the ball a lot, attack the rim from the perimeter. But the problem was that he's six foot nine uh, and he's a really bad defender and he doesn't create for anyone else. He's like Jordan Clarkson. If Clarkson couldn't shoot and was like four inches taller. Um, he's, he's not a good player. I don't think there's any reason to believe he's going to be a good player. And they bought into the hype of what he was as a high school recruit. Um, sort of like, you know, for comparison's sake, a potentially cool Anthony could be that in this year's class. You know, the guy that people refuse to let go of the hype and they get overdrafted because of it. Um, I, I, at least Anthony though, might have a role in the NBA Bagley is like, he's a non-player. Uh, I wouldn't want him on the roster. I wouldn't like, I don't think he adds anything to a team. He takes away minutes from guys that should be getting them like Harry Giles, who they let go, uh, which is, I think going to go back as a pretty big mistake. <laughs> this is a really depressing team. Like, especially for De'Aaron Fox, because De'Aaron Fox is good. But who else on this roster other than – so you have Fox, you have Rashawn Holmes, you have Bogdanovich, and you have Buddy Heald. Is there anyone else even good on the roster? That is a good question. Um, like, Nemanja Bielitsa is, is fun when he's hitting shots, but when he's not hitting shots, yeah. he's bad. Well, the problem I – mean, you, you look at their roster, how many of these guys are even going to be on the team beyond when their contract runs out or they get traded? I mean, Harrison Barnes, like, makes a bunch of money and is under contract for a long time, but there's no way he's a long-term piece of this team. Although, he is the same age, I believe, as Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald, which is kind of hilarious. That's one of my favorite stats in the NBA. Anyway. Just guess Harrison Barnes' age. In four years, I'm going to guess, like, 38. (laughs) I think in four years, he'll actually be 32. So, but it doesn't matter. The point is that Harrison Barnes will not be on the Kings for much longer. I wouldn't imagine, or at least he shouldn't be. So... I mean, yeah, the, the question you pose is a good one. Like, how many of these guys are even going to be on the team? They, they declined Harry Giles' option for some reason. I don't know why they did that. They could have had him under team control, and now it seems like he's just not going to be part of their plans. Uh, it, it's been a mismanaged team, obviously. And, like, that's even if they have competent people in place now, they still have to undo all of the incompetence that came before them. And thank God they have De'Aaron Fox, someone who – you can at least convince yourself is a star level point guard moving forward, but you know, healed like it might come down to Bogdanovich or healed. And that's not an obvious answer to me. Like, I think there are cases for both sides there and who else, you know, I'm not even sure Rashawn Holmes is a long-term piece there. You, 
you seem to be uh he's a good backup five he, he could potentially be a, i mean he played like a starting five last season like if he plays like he did last year the rest of his career he's a good starting five uh we just only have one year of a sample size of it to, to you know to base it off of because the rest of his career has been energy big off the bench that can catch lobs uh and that can get lost on defense but he was good defensively this past year i agree i agree and but Again, I mean, is that just a one-year blip, or is that something you're really building around in the future? They need they need rim protection and creation, but it's just not clear where they're going to find it. They don't have cap space this summer. They could offload Harrison Barnes onto some team to create cap space, but what are they really doing with that space? They're not going to be a, a destination, and they wouldn't be able to create enough space to get like a, a real needle mover, uh, even on the wing, which is a position they really need kind of shored up so I don't know it's it's just they made this step forward a couple of years ago and now it feels like they're just slipping backwards like even last year I don't I don't even know they made they the were. Suns mistake they tried to cash yeah. in when they they were close to the playoffs they thought they were closer than they actually were um I think like there's a lot of things we could talk about like flipping Harrison Barnes flipping Buddy Heald what you know a sign trade with Bogdan but I think there's only one question that actually matters or fundamentally changes things and it's at what point do you cash in on De'Aaron Fox and really just start over? Yeah, I mean, can they do that, though? They haven't made the playoffs in so long. Like, they might just but ride the, out at Fox this, just to at get this to the rate, playoffs. At this rate, I don't think they'll get to the playoffs. Yeah, they might not. Like, there's no reason to believe they will. The West is so good this year. Uh, Fox is extension eligible, I believe, this year as well. Uh, he's, he's in the group of, of – uh, you know, the, the 2017 class, I think it was, that's up this year that can sign extensions. Um, like, when do you just cash in on him and then start it over? And then maybe in three or four years you make the playoffs anyways because you cashed in uh, properly. Whereas right now you're probably looking at waiting three or four years to make the playoffs anyways. Well, I think the case for keeping Fox is that the number one thing you need to make the playoffs in the NBA is a star and preferably a star offensive creator. And Fox, I think, can be that. I don't know how many all-star games I would expect him to make, but he looks the part and I think plays like a star offensive creator with the potential on defense to be good, uh, to be solid, um, and maybe even improve as like a pull-up jump shooter. He's already a good passer and, um, and pushes the pace. So I think having that is enough to say, all right, like we can build something around this guy. The question to me isn't, how long until you sell, you know, sell off Fox for, for parts. It's like, we, how, how long do we give them to build a competent team around him? Like, it feels like they're not running out of time to keep Fox on their roster. They're running out of time to put a good team around him and, and, they well, and, and to, to prevent him from asking his right, way out. Right. So, I mean, that's the mistake there. It's like, it's not so much that like Fox isn't good enough or anything like that, but just they, they have not really built a team to, to augment him in, in the right way. I mean, I guess. Well, that's what I mean. Like by the time they put it together, like the window might already be closed. Like he might already be on his way out. And I think offensively, like they could be a decent offensive team next year, especially if they play that three guard lineup and assuming they hang on to all of their guards. Like that was the thing in, in the the 2019 season, I was going to bring this up. Their pace fell off a lot last year and they weren't playing in transition as much. They weren't playing as fast. And remember most of the success they had on offense in 2019 was because they were getting the ball to Fox. They were pushing the ball up the floor. Buddy Heald was shooting 18 pull-up threes a game. Bogdanovich was coming into his own as a passer and shooter. And Fox was running the show with, you know, setting up dunks and threes on the fast break. 
And they kind of got away from that last year. And I don't really understand why I asked Luke Walton, basically, why aren't you guys running as much anymore? And he, ba- he basically gave a non-answer and he's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're conscientious of our pace. He should have and, said because I'm not a good coach. But he basically said, you know, we'll get the pace to where we want it to be, which is not like really an answer. It didn't really tell me anything, but I figured I would ask it anyway. So I, I never really got clarification on that, and I don't think we've gotten clarification on it since. I think we've got the clarification team. that Luke Walton isn't a good coach, and he's such a bad coach that Buddy Heald won't answer his texts. Well, yeah, maybe Buddy Heald won't be on the team next year, but that's, that might be the number one thing they can do next year is just run. Like you have De'Aaron Fox. If you're not going to run and score in transition, well, why, you have Rashawn why do Holmes you have too. De'Aaron Fox? Like Holmes is the perfect big to have with that. Yeah. And because like, he can just run. Offensive two guard. Like yes. these guys running, getting in transition, getting easy shots. Anyway. Bad coaching. Yeah. I mean, as much as, as you've kind of trashed Dave Yeager, it seems like he was making well, it. Just, Yeager, like Yeager was a good coach. He just shouldn't have been yelling at guys for no reason. Yeah, I agree. Or with for that. doing the right things. Yeah. I still maintain Harry Giles is good. I think you agree with me. I like yes, that guy. Harry Harry Giles is uh, the ideal modern five offensively. You can play him from the high boat high post. He's a lot like Domas Sabonis uh, defensively. Dude, super switchable. Passing. He's a rim protector. Harry Giles. I still believe this, and I would never let go of this, even if he flames out and never makes it a, a real career. I think he can be a star. Like I think Harry Giles can be a star in the NBA as the Sabonis engine on offense and a switchable rim protecting big on defense. Like Harry Giles is good. And you can see sort of getting that athleticism back after he'd had the ACL tears that sort of, you know, dropped him off the face of the earth when it came to draft rankings. And, and he had spent so much time recovering from, but like, it's still there. It's all still there. Like the main points of his skills are all still there. Uh, and I think he's got enough touch to extend to extend his range too. Like, the Kings giving up on Harry Giles is hilarious and perfectly on brand. And I would bet if Monty McNair were there, it wouldn't have happened. I'm not sure about a star. I think he can be a quality backup big man or a, even a solid starter. Like in a lot of ways, he needs to bulk up and get better on defense. Like you mentioned the switchability, but the rim protection is not there right now. And he doesn't have that back line, you know, those backbone qualities that you want from a center, but man, like I would tune into Kings games last year just to watch that guy pass the basketball. It was unbelievable. I love watching him facilitate from the high post and hit cutters and kick the ball out. Like he has, for a young guy, you never see young big men be able to pass. I mean, Jokic is an exception. He's the best passing big man of all time. I guess Mark Gasol came into the league with a little bit of this. But it's really rare for a big guy to come into the NBA and in his first couple years already be like a really smart and adept and instinctive passer. And like when you have that, it just makes no sense that you would give up on that guy and just say, I mean, he, he was, he wasn't a high draft pick. It's not it like it makes sense when, when you think about the way the Kings are run and that is poorly. Well, yeah. And it's not like he had this high rookie salary that you were turning down. You couldn't afford to pay him. They just declined his option seemingly because they, they don't think that he should be on their team, which is, which is crazy to me anyway. Um, well, yeah, there you go. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's close things out here with the Cavs and the Magic. Well, we can start with Orlando um, before closing out with possibly the most depressing team in the NBA. Um, I would have said the Magic, who, by the way, 33 and 40 last year with a negative 0.2 net rating which was 14th in the league. They and the Suns were like right there in the middle league average. They lost in the first round to the Milwaukee Bucks after taking game one off of the Bucks and then proceeding to lose the next four. I would have said three months ago, four months ago, however long it was that Jonathan Isaac was playing basketball, that it would be smart to trade Aaron Gordon for this coming season. Now, given Isaac's injury situation, I'm not totally sure about that but I'm also not against it anymore do you do you come down on either side of the the Aaron Gordon situation for them I don't think Aaron Gordon's part of the problem for them if he helps them get what what actually makes them better and that's a primary creator offensively then sure well that would be the idea yeah it's not that he's hurting them now it's just that he can help you get something that you need a little bit more like if but I don't like the guys we talk about as being available like DeMar DeRozan like I'm not giving up Aaron Gordon for him I'm not giving him up for Russell Westbrook like you know what I mean like I'm yeah I, it would have to be an actual real creator. And, and who, who is that? You know, that's like, is it Kyle Lowry? Is that who, who you try to go get? Is it, you know, uh, CJ McCollum? Like it would have to be that kind of guy for me to give up Gordon because I think Gordon is good. Like Gordon is a good NBA player yeah. uh, who was on a good contract. And I, I'm not, I'm not giving that away. I agree. The other problem is he, you need to trade for someone who's, I mean, preferably you'd want to trade Aaron Gordon for someone who's young because you're, I, ideally, theoretically, you're putting him with Jonathan Isaac to grow moving forward. And maybe Isaac just isn't that player anymore, which would really be a shame. But well, assuming, Aaron Gordon's also only 25. Yeah, he's young too. So, I mean, they're under no obligation to give him up. I think the thinking would be that a team looks at Aaron Gordon and says, we can do something with that. Because I'll tell you, like Aaron Gordon, like, he might be underrated at this point. I, like, I think he's a good passer. I think he is a – when he wants to be, he can be an unbelievable defender at least on the perimeter, switching across multiple positions. Um, he's, he can score, he can get his own bucket, but that's not really his game. So I think if a team that has the ability to put him in a situation, like lots of people have made the Draymond Green comparison before, and he's not Draymond in a lot of ways. But I, think he own, can, I think he can be Blake Griffin with the Pistons. Yeah, yeah, but, but with prime Blake Griffin athleticism. Right, and an like awesome that's player. yeah, that's who Blake Griffin should have been the whole time. Yeah, and maybe not quite as good a three point shooter as Blake is now. But the point stands. He could be. He the, he reasonably could be. Maybe, but but the idea is that he's a connective passer. He's making plays off the dribble. He can play either situation or either role in the pick and roll, pick and pop, whatever you want to do. You can put him all over the floor, on ball, off ball, dunker spot, perimeter, corner, anywhere you want. He can af- affect the game. And then on the other end, he's switching across five positions. He's improving as a help side defender which he's not quite there yet but like I think that is is if a team looks at him and says Orlando's not getting that out of him but we can and then they they blow the magic away with an offer I think that would be the situation where you trade him 
because they can say we have Jonathan Isaac who can do a lot of the same things and we, we feel confident in him moving forward. We might as well get some assets now for Gordon. Golden State offers you number two and Andrew Wiggins for Gordon. Do you take it? Oh, gosh. I mean, I would definitely offer that if I were Golden State. But, I, yeah, I think I might take that. I, I really I, like that, actually. I, I think the, the problem is if you get rid of Gordon, I think you should probably start looking at moving on from uh, Vucevic, too. Yeah, uh, and that would be the thinking is they, they need the primary creator to be good now, but they also don't need to be good now. Yeah. So they sort of have these, these competing motivations. Like they can make two kinds of trades. One is sell Aaron Gordon and move kind of toward the future. The other is acquire like a Russell Westbrook type and be good now or be mediocre now. I, I think like Vucevic to the Rockets for Westbrook, as long as you're getting more back than just Westbrook, like makes sense for both teams. Um, I, and, and you may as well see if Mo Bomb is any good because they refuse to try it right now. And like at some point you have to figure it out. I also think like Vucevic to the Celtics, uh, there, there's a deal to be made there. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the Celtics already at length, but we may as well talk about this a little bit now because they're rumored to be looking at, you know, uh, trying to get Drew Holiday, which means they would have to move Gordon Hayward or Kemba Walker. And if Kemba Walker is available, uh, that sort of fits with the magic need. Uh, and I would give up Vucevic to get that. Uh, I, I just I don't know. I, I think Vucevic is a guy that you cash in on now because the value is probably at the highest it's going to be, uh, and, and you can you can probably cash in on Gordon too, and then continue to move forward with like Markel Fultz and and Mo Bamba and you know Jonathan Isaac and these other guys that you continue to add slowly um, to the mix. Like they like and 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 guys like uh, Chumo Kiki, who they drafted last year, has a ton of upside. Who's gonna who should be playing this year after tearing his ACL. I think he tore it in the the NCAA tournament when he was with, at Auburn. Yeah. Uh, but a guy like that fits really, really well uh, in in Gordon's spot. So like you could theoretically get rid of Gordon and still be okay. Um, I like I want them to take the path forward, like into a, in a into a better future. But at the same time, like they could be a playoff team that that could make a little bit of noise if they make if they sort of push the right buttons this year. Like I don't think them getting a first round upset is that crazy. Crazy if they can get to like the seven or six seed, which they could do like Steve Clifford's a really, really good coach. Uh, and if he had a primary creator, I think he would have this team sort of uh, humming on all cylinders. Steve Clifford's a good coach. Everyone drink. That's, hey, that's a you thing too. The second one of the, uh, of the episode. No, I, I agree. I, I think the tough thing with Vucevic is he's under contract through 2023 and I would not consider him to be like a value contract. So teams might be hesitant to trade for that guy at that number for that many years. You know, it's a lot of money and it's a long time. So it's, it's funny you bring up the Rockets because we kind of think of the Rockets as like, oh, they, they, don't me, want big, they don't want big men. They want to play small, yada, yada, yada. I'm not even sure if that's true. Like if Westbrook is, on, is not on the team moving forward, they're a completely different team. They don't have the general manager. They don't have the coach. They don't. Well, they already them. are because because Maury and D'Antoni aren't gone. Like, yeah, I think they're they've are they're already divorced from microball. Like if they trotted out a four like two fives and a four next year in the starting lineup, I don't think it would be that crazy because they're they're going to pivot away from it. And like I don't know, I, I don't expect them to be the analytics heavy, uh, intelligent team that they have been under Dale Maury. I sort of have to like like correct my or catch myself when I. I'll think of a possible trade for the Rockets and I'll, I'll say, well, that's not really a Rockets player, but then, you know, what is a Rockets player at this point? The Rockets are a totally different team. 
I Wait, met. to be clear, were you talking about Vucevic's contract? Yes. It's only four for 100. Like, that's not terrible. Yeah, but he goes three more years at like 26, 24, and 22. Yeah, they're declining, though. 22 million is a lot, though. I don't know. For like a guy who's, whose game should stretch out, he'll only – like it's Maybe. his age 31 season at 22 million. Yeah. They're really good at getting those – like Aaron Gordon's is like that. It's, it's de-escalating. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it goes, like I, I think Vucevic is on a good deal personally, but because he's a modern five, he's good enough to. He's like he's like Jokic defensively, but offensively he's more. Uh, he's Miles Miles Turner with more creation, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like Marcus All almost. Yeah, a little bit of Gasol. Their biggest free agent, who was actually a free agent and not a trade candidate this season, this off season, I should say, is Evan Fournier, uh, who has a. million player option. It seems like he's going to opt out of that. I mean, at least it seemed that way pre pandemic. I don't know how much COVID is going to change these things. He, he can be a free agent and it appears maybe slightly likely that he will be. I I honestly don't know what his market is going to be. I think there's a lot of teams that can use Evan Fournier, including the Orlando magic. I I just, I mean, in a weak free agent class, maybe he's kind of the, the bell of the ball and he gets that high that high price tag that he wouldn't get in a normal off season. Um, but he's, he's going to be sought after for sure. Cause he fits on a lot of different teams. He could also be a trade candidate and like a sign and trade type of thing, or if he opts in, you know, to facilitate it. What's your feeling on Fournier, both from the magic perspective and then from maybe a competitor across the league, if he enters free agency. I mean, most teams should be trying to get him. He's another guy that's scalable. Uh, the playoff issues are obviously a concern because he does sort of, um, he hasn't played well in the playoffs, although I think if you decrease his role, it could help him quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I think the Magic should be trying to keep him, but I wouldn't be trying to, you know, break the bank for him. If he's if he's getting 20-plus a year, let him go somewhere else uh, and sort of move forward with what you got. Yeah, DJ Augustine is their other free agent who actually played minutes for them. I'm curious to see. DJ like, Augustine's still good, by the way. Exactly. And, and do they think Fultz is good enough to kind of take the reins at this point? I personally don't. So maybe Augustine is back in Orlando, but I don't really know. He, he's kind of a – He's a good he's fit like, with Fultz, too, if you're just playing him off yeah. ball. Yeah, and, and, you know, can run your second unit via uh, – he's like the ultimate sort of like solid point guard who's neither good nor bad, but is just like but, – But, like, he has, he has a desirable skill set because he can create for himself and he can hit sure. pull-up threes. Yeah. Like, hitting pull-up threes matters a lot. And, like, Augustine is one of the, one of the few guys in the league who can do it really, really well. Uh, and I think that is a ton of value on the right team. I would agree. I would agree. The Magic are in an interesting spot, sort of a, a crossroads. Like, they can, they can try to go young right now, but it seems like they want to ride this out, make, continue making the playoffs – be good for the rest of Vooch's prime. We talk about all these trades. I don't think the Magic are going to make a huge They're the trade new Blazers. Unless they can get a Russell Westbrook. You know, we talked about DeRozan earlier. I don't know how feasible that really is. That's not sourced or anything. But unless they can get that kind of creator, offensive catalyst, it feels like they kind of want to just improve uh, via free agency and via internal growth so well and here's the thing they can get russell westbrook because according to to woge uh that trade market is not developing much so you could realistically just give the the rockets some contracts and go get them this is my surprised face that the market for russell westbrook is not robust he's not good like he's you know like he's just not good he he has probably the worst contract outside of john wall in the nba and there's i think john wall's might be better because i think john wall might actually have value at least when he comes back 
there's there's one team in the NBA I think that Russell Westbrook genuinely makes better and doesn't just artificially raise the floor like he would in like Charlotte or, or Chicago, uh, and it's the Magic. Like I think he he actually makes that team better. Well, speaking of UCLA alums who are past their primes and on some of the worst contracts in the league, let's close out with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who will still employ Kevin Love, who they signed to an extension a couple of years ago. Will they? Through the 2023 season. Uh, will they? Make, well, probably, because are they going to be able to trade him? I mean, I would think so. You think so? Is some desirable skills. I would be shocked if someone trades for him. I don't know. I don't think I would be shocked. I think there are teams out there that could use Kevin Love. Like this oh, is the for sure, this, for sure. But other teams out there, they're going to pay thirty-one million dollars a year for Kevin Love. If do they have a bad contract to take back? Because Andrew Wiggins is still there. Yeah, like, I mean, I've I've thought about the Golden State fit. I, I don't really love that, and especially on the on the contract, it it runs so long. That's the thing. Maybe he gets traded by twenty twenty two or something. But right now, to trade for that deal at that price for that length is that would be bonkers to me. It would be very much a usual Kings move, but with Monty McNair in charge, I don't know that it's one that they make. It does smell like a Knicks move, though, because he is a four, and we That's know true. they love their I fours. I keep forgetting the Knicks exist. Anytime I say it, this thing is not going to happen, it would be too stupid, I, I always forget the Knicks exist. That's right. Well, the first note I made for the Cleveland Cavs is, yikes. Here's the bright side for the Cavs, okay? They have Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Jetty Osman and Kevin Porter Jr. on rookie scale deals. Okay. The downside is that we do not know. It is unclear if any of those players are good or will be good anytime in the near future. And the team is saddled by the Kevin Love deal and probably another year of Andre Drummond at $28.7 million, for which he has a player option this summer and appears likely to opt in. So he was good though for what it's worth in Cleveland. Like I thought Andre Drummond defense, wasn't defensive player of the year candidate. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. But I thought Andre Drummond played good defense for the first time in a long time and was himself offensively, which is fine. Uh, But, like, there are two guys on this team that I think can be starters long-term of the young guys. Uh, It's Darius Garland and it's Kevin Porter Jr. I don't want anything to do with Sexton. Like, Chetty Osman is just a bench guy long-term. And, like, outside of that, there's nobody else there. Maybe Dylan Windler. I will say Dylan Windler is good, too and has a chance to be a starter long-term. So three guys with that upside, but who knows if any of them will hit. I really like uh, Porter Jr., Windler, and uh, Garland, though, and and think that's at least the the solid foundation of a solid rotation. Like, maybe you have two rotation players and a starter there, maybe two starters and a rotation player. I don't know, but, like, I think think it's something. It's just they should try to be really bad again this year and go get Cade Cunningham and rectify that issue. Well, hey, you get those guys you just mentioned. You get Alfonso McKinney and Ante Zizic to make some all-star teams, and you're right there. Yeah, just as likely as Carmelo Anthony accepting a bench role with the Blazers. Yeah, I, I just, I mean. I, I, I think a, a Drummond opting in and trading him is, is maybe a thing. So, yeah, that could be. But, again, it's like who is trading for Andre Drummond? I'm not sure there's a player whose skill set has been, like, more passed by in the last four years. And Andre well, if, if he if he's genuinely gonna be at least a good defender, yeah, like that changes it. I think that changes the equation quite a bit. Yeah, like then teams like the Celtics should be after him. The Rockets, actually, you know what? It feels like it's it's so hard to pivot away. You're right from the way that we think about the Rockets. If they're if the Rockets are going to be run poorly, Andre Drummond is definitely a guy that they're going to target. Well, because he was his name. If you remember back to like a year ago was rumored with the Hawks. And then the Hawks traded for 
Clint Capella. So now the Rockets didn't have a center, but that was fine because they didn't want a center. But if they want to go back that route, like that might not be a terrible option. But again, He's, he's fine with James Harden, too. Like, the fit there is, like, he's not he's not hurting James Harden. If he's a good defender, he's what they need at, at the – you know what I mean? Like, so is this – okay, I don't the think it noticeably for? makes the Rockets worse. No, I don't think it does. I just wonder if they if they want to pay him on that deal. I mean, it is expiring if he opts in. So you have that. You, you don't have to re-sign him. Or you can re-sign him at a much lower number. Are the Cavs – I mean, I would say this would be a, a logical, like, Drummond for Westbrook – type of deal but the Cavs already have all these guards so are they really going to block those guys with a guy who has to have the ball in his hands and they would they you know? like if they had Westbrook and love they might accidentally fall ass backwards into the playoffs which I think would be pretty funny uh I know, don't to, that would to be see them sort of I, it would but like I mean Dan Gilbert's not a good owner like he, you know what I mean it's not like no, this is a guy not, who's but, right so like let him tank it all the way. Like let him let him destroy the the team from the inside. I do think JB Bickerstaff is a really good coach though, and we'll get we'll get the most out of this team. Um, I don't know. Like they they got a hit on this pick, but more importantly, they can't let any of these guys hit until at least next year. So then they can get another top three pick, uh, probably for the next two years. Honestly, well, fortunately for them, I don't think they'll have to try too hard to get a high draft pick. So. That's right. With that, let that mark the end. All of thirty our- teams, maybe we finally. Think. Yeah, I, I hope we didn't miss anyone. I don't think we did. We are finally through our team post-mortem series, which turned into a season preview series along the way somewhere. John, that, that's, that's good work. We knocked out the whole league, and all of this could become irrelevant by the time the moratorium gets lifted on Monday. So look forward to that. Yeah, I don't know if it's good work, but it's definitely work. It was definitely work. Well, we're through it now. Uh, we appreciate anyone who is through this podcast now and has listened all the way to the end. Uh, John. You and I will have episodes coming out in the near future. We'll discuss the draft a little bit. That'll take us right up to the start of free agency. We'll obviously have everyone covered through all of that and cover all the big signings. And then the season's here. And that's, yep. you know, we kind of dive right into it. So I'm looking forward to it. You'll probably get a post-draft podcast too, I assume, from the two of us. And and I'm guessing anytime something massive happens, uh, you'll probably hear from us as well. It'll be a happening time in the NBA. So That it will. Everyone stay tuned. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. And John, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.